You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? It's that time again. It's the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 43 on this Thursday, mm-hmm. December 14th, 2023. Josh Calloway, James D. Jackson, Tom Green with you on a Thursday. Third podcast of the week. That's because there's just a ton going on. <laughs> it's been a crazy week around here. Transfer Portal is ablaze. Oh, you got another commitment yesterday. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. The SEC schedule for next year dropped. Very exciting stuff. Going to break that down a little bit uh, as well as we get ready for the Alamo Bowl here coming up in two weeks from today. Kind of sneaking up a little bit before you know it. Final game of the season. But, gentlemen, let's first let's backtrack back to Tuesday to start. A lot has happened. It feels like a long time ago already. But back before we knew about the Caden Green news, we were able to be at practice on Tuesday. Got to see these guys for the first time. Uh, obviously, and I think most fans get it, that during the season – Practice is never open. It's not a thing. Uh, they're getting ready for games. They don't want media to see what they're doing, what they're working on before each game. But mm-hmm. in fall camp and spring camp and in these bowl practices that are a little more generic, for lack of a better word, they're not really focused on the opponent that much. They let us come out there and see it. So we got to see the practice for the first time in, in the several months. Others open the floor here, guys. Anything that stuck out. Obviously, there's a few pretty noteworthy things that jumped out right away when we immediately got out there. Um, obviously, Tawi Walker was practicing, which was uh, caught a lot. Yeah, that's he tweet out the little bowling emojis, which yeah. certainly apply, uh, imply that he's going to probably play in San Antonio here in a couple weeks. It's interesting, it's interesting to see a guy in the portal looks like he's going to finish out the season somewhat rare. But if you're Oklahoma, you're on board with it because you're still trying to win this thing. And I, yeah, I talked I to Gavin, someone, I was gonna say. Didn't, I think someone pointed out, didn't Josh Ellison do that last year where he entered the portal, but he still played in the bowl game for Oklahoma? Maybe. But like, it, it, I, I get it. Like they're, they're, They need some bodies there, and if like, Tawi is on good terms with the coaching staff and everything like that, and you know maybe use this for him as a little bit more of an audition to kind of springboard him into some other scholarship opportunities in the portal because um, – I mean, especially now that they picked up a running back on the transfer portal, you don't really need Tawi. Like, you figure that he's probably gone. And yeah. like we discussed before, he's a guy that has a son, you know, need, needs to get on scholarship somewhere, needs an opportunity to earn a little bit more NIL money. And maybe Oklahoma just can't offer that to him right now. 
Um, so not not totally surprising to see him out there, but it was definitely one of the first things that caught our attention. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it that Oklahoma fans and probably, you know, some of the guys <clears> around, they, they kind of want, you know, Tommy being back would be a very, you know, fortunate situation, but the situation probably just doesn't make very much sense for him. But as as we, we talked, you know, out there with Gavin Solchuk, we didn't get to talk to Tommy Walker, but we got to talk to Solchuk and he was really like, it was just Tommy wants to finish, you know, what he started. I mean, yeah. that's pretty much what it is. He he wants to finish the season out, you know, help help out the team. And and that's exactly what you want, especially from a guy like that. I mean, he's a guy that can definitely, as we said, has earned a scholarship somewhere else. So being a part of this, being, you know, being around the guys and helping out the team, a team that he's not probably not going to play for next season, that's that's pretty big from him as well. I mean, it, it's, it shows a lot about his character. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that when, like, Obviously, this is very early in practice. We only got to see maybe 15 minutes of actual drills. Sure. But Tawi was second in rotation at running back behind Gavin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, Marcus Major has moved on already. He, he wasn't out there. Um, Javante Barnes, we still don't know how healthy he is. Dalen mm-hmm. Smothers in the portal, he's gone. So the, they, they probably need Tawi Walker to kind of you know help shoulder the load with Gavin in, the, in this bowl game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no uh... – if you're trying to win this thing, which Oklahoma is, uh, it helps a lot, uh, obviously. Because, yeah, like you said, Tom, looking at the running backs in practice, even just with Tawi back, it, it looked a little thin. Um, it was kind of like, okay, no major, no uh, smothers, obviously, like you said. It was only a few guys. You had Emeka Megwa. I mean, Jal- He's like a mythic figure. Jaleel Farouk was out there as well a little bit. No, so that was a trick. It was a trickeration. No. Megwa was wearing three. It tricked a lot of people. Yeah, oh, see, was now when I, when I was videoing, that's what I thought. It was confusing everybody. So yeah, Megwa was, was out there, first, and Caleb Hicks looked good, obviously, but these are guys we haven't seen um, in actual game action at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, when you're talking about this game, the Alamo Bowl, in two weeks, it would have been a lot of – it would have been Sawchuck, and then who knows uh, if he didn't have Tommy Walker. So that that's a nice plus when it comes to that. Um, yeah. Obviously, the offensive okay. line is extremely interesting as well. Uh, you know, we've talked about it. You know, I talked about it yesterday with Colin at length. Obviously, everybody knows at this point, Kane Green's in the portal. Um, now, thankfully, while and we talked about it on Monday, and I talked about it yesterday with Colin, they're going to have to replace the entire offensive line going into next year. That's not the case now. I mean, you are missing multiple guys, but you're still going to have Walter Rouse. You're still going to have McKay much higher for the ball game. But after that, they're going to have to piece it together. What do you guys think about the offensive line uh, right now? And who who plays <laughs> against Arizona? I mean, you have options. You have, obviously, mm-hmm. Jake Sexton finished the year strong. Troy Everett's around, although he looked like he was banged up. He wasn't going through all the drills in practice on Tuesday. It's going to be kind of a patch job uh, for Bill Beanbow when that game with Arizona comes up here in, uh, you know, like I said, two weeks. Yeah, and that, that was the main thing I wanted to look at when we were out there, just see yeah, what right. the offensive line was going to look like. And – you know, mind you, this was before news of Caden Green's transfer, you know, hit. You know, I was out there and I was, you know, taking note of who who was working where. And I was like asking around, I was like, am I crazy or is Caden Green not out here? Because I was like, I know some guys have been wearing different jerseys, but I did not see him. So I was, I was very confused. And then sure enough, like as we're walking off the field, the transfer news hits. Crazy. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, no, like they are very fortunate that you know Walter Rouse and McCade Matoyer are finishing this out. You know, kind of alluded to it in the show earlier in the week, but we expected Walter Rouse definitely to play in this game just because, like you mentioned, when he was at Stanford, they never made a bowl game. 
So this is going to be his only opportunity to play in the postseason in his career before he starts preparing for the NFL. You know, we talked to McKay Matoyer about it, and you know, he wants to finish this thing off strong, you know, not just for himself, but you know, to be able to have a couple veteran experienced guys there for Jackson Arnold when he's making his first career start is huge because mm-hmm. otherwise they could be in some dire straits. Um, it looks like you know Heath Ozeda is probably going to take over at left guard um, now that Caden Green's gone. At least he was repping there with the first team when we were out there. Um, we'll see what Troy Everett's availability is. You know he was in full pads but wasn't really going through drills. Looked like Joshua Bates was taking the first team snaps at center, and then obviously on the right side you still have McCade and Tyler Guyton. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of piece these things together. But at least you have, you know. You have three guys who were starters at the end of the season. Caleb Schaefer's still available there. You know, he can play either guard spot. So we'll see yeah. if they move him around, um, see where Troy Everett's at. So like, they, they have guys that have started games, but obviously not having Andrew Rame, not having Caden Green, you know, not having Tyler Guyton, even though, you know, Jacob Sexton took over late in the year. It's, it's a tough situation for them to be in and obviously something they're going to have to work to rebuild heading into the spring. Okay, first off, let me put it out there. I'm just embarrassed that number three, the number three jersey got me at practice. I, I mean, I was watching the defense <laughs> for most of the, like, the, the most of the practice. I was over with the defense with Danny Stutzman, Jaron Kanick, and all those guys, seeing how they were, you know, working out and things like that. They were out there joking around, you know, things like that. It was a good time from them. They like they were having a lot of fun. So as I'm walking back, I, that's the only time I glanced at the running back. I just saw that, oh, there's Tywee Walker out there. Let me let me get a video and things like that happened. And number three got me. I mean, that's that's – that's, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I had no. I mean, I, 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 I mean, we all the same thing. We saw three with running backs, and you're thinking, "Whoa, Farouk's working with the yeah. running backs." My finger was hovering above the tweet button that Joel Farouk is working yeah. with the running backs, and then somebody, I can't remember who, honestly, somebody said, "Like, is that?" And I really, you know, me. I don't think it is. And then, yeah, Jaleel was over there with the, if you, I just the receivers were over on the far side, and he was over there also. They just had two number threes out there. They're just trying to trick us. I should just I should have just let you guys have the offensive side like we had it going. You know, I should just kept it like that. But yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much. And we talked about Caden Green a little bit. I mean, this is the guy I talked to twice throughout the season, and, and guys have known him a little bit. He he's always said how how much he loved Oklahoma. He grew up as a fan and things like that because we talked about the River rivalry, yeah. and it was like a big experience for him to be out there and playing in that. You know, so the the news was shocking. It was shocking, obviously, to us and. We came back to the, the late late practice and talked to the players, and they were, you know, as, as Josh said, they were shocked as well. They had no idea. And so, I mean, you could just imagine what this offensive line could have, would have looked like with, you know, mm-hmm. Caleb Green and Kenny Green and, and Jacob Sex on that left side to hold it down. That would that have been really good for OU. Now they just got to find another guy to, to fill in there. I mean, there's there's many options. There's many options that OU can yeah. go after and things like that. So that's, that's the good part. Now, as we talked about with this offensive line, replacing all five guys the good thing is they get to see some of the guys in this game in the bowl game like joshua Bates, guys and guys like that playing at center you know helping out with andrew ram going off and things like that this actually is a is a tune-up i think it's a tune-up for oklahoma because they get to see really where they are i mean how close are we to being where we want to be and it, it was show with these guys out there in the bowl game so that's actually the, one of the key you know good parts about playing in the bowl game this time around yeah, and I'll say, like, with Heath Ozeda, when we were talking to, you know, Jeff Levy and Bill Biedenboe and Brent Venables at the beginning of the season, he's a guy that they're really excited about his potential and, like, what his ceiling could be. But he was still a developmental guy, which mm-hmm. obviously, you know, he didn't really play this year. So we'll see if they have to throw him in the fire for this game and kind of how he holds up in that regard. But, yeah. you know, regardless of, you know, how he looks in this game, he's someone that they like moving forward. 
It's just a matter of if they can get him there. You know, breaking in some you know first time starters as you make the move to the SEC is not ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're still working to try to get some guys out of the portal. Um, we'll, we'll see what they can do. Um, obviously, things can look a lot different between now and you know the start of fall camp and all. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a long way. I mean, they already got Spencer Brown out of the portal. I mean, I, I'm close to putting in a crystal ball for another guy that's committing tomorrow on the offensive line. So things like that could happen as well. I mean, there's there's a lot of options as, as we said, and it, yeah. it's going to look a lot different, I think. Yeah, and this goes to show that you know in in modern college football, the bowl game is just as much of a jump on next season as it is. Mm-hmm. Closing this, yeah, season. finishing um, out the season, yep. yeah, yeah. With all the guys who, who opt out and hit the portal, it's really the team that plays. You have a much better idea of what next year's team looks like than the team you just saw, and that's why uh, you know some guys are talking after practice that it kind of feels like a different, really, the start of the next season in a lot of ways. Yeah. So you know, as far as you know, we mentioned Jill Farouk. He mentioned after practice that he's most likely going to stay, which was assumed, but you'll know and. It was kind of oh, he he couldn't have worded it much weirder, honestly. But he made it sound like he is uh, almost certainly going to be back, which is obviously a big deal. I talked about Colin yesterday. They had Dion Burks from Purdue. That receiver crew was loaded. Um, excited to see how that shakes out. Um, you know, moving forward, obviously, um, got to talk to Jackson Arnold for a long time. He really, you know, he's always been pretty good with the media, but he really kind of stepped in. It felt like as the starter, um, you know, that was really his first, that was the first time we've talked to him since he was the guy now. And uh, he kind of answered every question, was very open and honest. I asked him about, you know, Jeff Levy left. Did you have to think about it? And he said, yeah, sure. I mean, you have to reevaluate everything, but felt good about Seth Luttrell and that relationship. And he knew that he was in a good spot when they made that hire. And so now you're just looking forward and, and seeing what else uh, can can be done here before the bowl game rolls around. What did what else did you guys have? Anything that stuck out from either practice or talking to guys after? Or we we obviously got to talked to Billy Bowman and stuff. So we talked to a lot of guys uh, after practice. Yeah, a uh, quick thing on the Jill Farouk front. Um, you know, he said he said he's most likely coming back, but he also said he's really been looking forward to the SEC. Um, right. So I, I think that's pretty telling of where he's leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, it also sounds like he might be moving into the slot next year. Uh, maybe sticks around. Um, Good see. Yeah, he thinks he's a more natural fit for that spot, and obviously they'll be replacing Drake Stoops. Yeah. Um, even though you know Dion Burks is, you know, he's got the the frame to be a slot guy, but he's not a guy that hasn't played a whole lot of slot at Purdue. Um, so if they can move Jalil Farouk in there and you know rotate him and like Jaquez Petway, obviously they'll feel very good about that position, even when losing Drake Stoops. Um, <clears throat> you, you mentioned opt outs, but I thought it was pretty, you know, notable that we saw several key seniors out there, especially. Um, guys along the defensive line, Dejon Terry, you know, Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe, Rondell Bothroyd, Jonah Lalu, you know, all of them were out there. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that the defensive line at least will be in good shape heading into this bowl game, um, even though they're going to be losing, you know, at least a few of those guys due to graduation and being out of eligibility. Yeah, Jalil Fruit being in the slot, I mean, that, that looks really good because now you get Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson on the field at the same time. <laughs> And you know on the outsides, and that's a pretty good receiver core. OU in the skill positions looks phenomenal at this point in time. I think they they look really really good. As we talked about with Taylor Tatum coming in as a running back, the number one back in the nation. I mean, I feel like tight end and offensive line is the biggest thing now for this team. I mean, they got one tight end coming in as four or five star. However you want to look at him, Devon Mitchell. So that's going to look really good. But you yeah. know, just getting just the skill positions overall look really really good. I mean, and we got to talk to. A lot of them yesterday as well. I mean, they're saying a lot of good things. I mean, even when you look at the defensive side, Ginger Williams said he's fully healthy. 
I mean, that's that's exactly what you want to hear yeah. from your cornerback that was banged up for a lot of the season. I mean, that oh, you had to play a lot of different guys because he kept getting hurt, but we knew he was the guy that you know he was the one. I mean, he had the the interception against Texas that started the game, started the rally for OU in that Red River rivalry game. So having him back is very good. I mean, we see other things. He said Billy Bowman got snubbed, which is what we already said from the from the Jim Thorpe Award. We yeah. all thought that already. I'm glad that he was able to confirm that for us. <laughs> He's snubbed out there. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good things happening at this point in time. Yeah, and Woody Washington was out there practicing too. He's obviously a guy Woody, that yeah, Woody we're still waiting to see what he decides if he's going to come back or because he has another year of eligibility at his disposal mm -hmm. or if he's going to declare for the draft. So, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk to him, but clearly he's, you know, preparing for this bowl game. We'll see mm -hmm. what he decides moving forward. Um, you know, I thought, you know, speaking to, you know, Danny Stutzman after – all that whole ordeal of, you know, will he or won't he, you know, wavering back and forth on his decision. I thought he was very candid. Um, you know, he's always a refreshing interview. You know, sometimes you can't tell if he's joking or if he's being completely serious, but I thought it was a, you know, a, a very candid interview with him and just uh, some good insight into his thought process. You know, he said it was, you know, when he met with Brent Venables last Monday, he was fully committed to declaring for the draft. Mm -hmm. And right. then, you know, Venables reached back out to him on Friday and he's like, I'm glad he did because, you know, I was, you know, having some second thoughts myself and then told Brent that he needed the weekend. And, you know, Sunday night, his dad calls uh, Venables and tells him, hey, Danny's coming back. Brent calls Danny hyped. Danny shows up Monday, getting ready to make his announcement. His locker's cleared out because he wasn't at practice the two days before. He sees his stuff kind of just like sprawled across the room. You know, in a plastic bag, his katana. Allegedly, bag. yeah, allegedly. Yeah. His, his katana's <laughs> on in the middle of the floor. Katana, it's got me. But no, it, it was it was it was very interesting to hear him talk about his decision and you know why he ultimately decided to come back. You know, he didn't want to have any regrets. Um, you know, he didn't want to have any buyer's remorse. Right. You know, was another another term we heard. Um, anyway, he said, "Look, I'm sure he's getting a great NIL package through all this, but he said it wasn't about the mm. money for him." Um, you know, it was about wanting to, you know, finish the, this thing off, playing in the SEC for a year, played a role in that too. He said Bill, Billy Bowman's decision to come back actually helped 200% impacted yeah. his decision too. So the fact that Oklahoma was getting both those guys back, like we said, it it's like signing a pair of five-star guys, but who have, you know, multiple years of mm -hmm. starting experience. Mm -hmm. And and if you've been watching this show for the entire season, a Katana Joe goes back to the very beginning when Diddy Sutton had the cut on his nose and he looked like the, yeah. the, 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 the protocol linebacker just bleeding from his nose. He said he got cut by his katana. So that is, it's just perfect that he brought that back up at the very end. That's, that's a fitting way to end the season. But yeah. yeah. Well, you remember, I mean, you remember in the offseason, him and, him and Jaron were, you know, filming videos of messing around with those things and like doing <laughs> cool, like ninja skits and yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. How is Oklahoma sanctioning this right now? <laughs> He wants. He's walking around doing what he wants. I mean, he did confirm a lot of things. Like we said, we, he confirmed that, yes, he did say he was leading for the draft. He confirmed that the video that he made was not made in a weekend. He was he already had it ready from getting ready for the Buckets Award. Right. He thought he was going to be a candidate. So all that was already there. So he confirmed a lot of things for us and cleared up a lot of stuff. So it was a very good interview with him, just, just talking with him and, and hearing the entire story. And so just coming back to Oklahoma, he was like, I mean, you can never go back to college. You can always go back. You can always go to the NFL, which only a few guys can actually say something like that. That's crazy to say. But, yeah, you can always go back to college. And so he took the opportunity to go back. I mean, it's going to help OU out a lot. As we said, they're like five-star signings that you're getting with a ton of experience and a guy that 
next year might definitely go for the buckets war. He, he should have been in there this year if he hadn't got hurt, I think. So there's a lot to, there's a lot to look forward to with Danny Sussman coming back. Yeah, and I believe that the video, I think they filmed it after the Kansas game. Um, so they're filming it kind of between Bedlam there um, mm -hmm. when he was dealing with that ankle injury, actually. Um, and he, you know, he posted some other photos of from from that day, from that shoot, and you see the Buckus, you know, the Buckus Award in the passenger seat of the Corvette with him. Um, so just to squash any any conspiracy theories, no, yeah. he did not shoot that the weekend um, <laughs> leading up to this. That that that's a big production to put together. Um, you know, they, they they had that thing in the works in the can. It was supposed to be a late season Buckus campaign, and then he didn't make the semifinals list, so they kind of just shelved it until he decided to repurpose it for this. Mm -hmm. It's all perfect. It's all part, <clears throat> part of the uh, Danny Stutzman lore, and he has a whole other year in the SEC. And it was a similar sentiment from Billy Bowman, just a lot less uh, flashy, I guess. Billy is much more of a reserved person than Danny is. But I asked Billy, you know, why, why did you decide to come back? And he, I'm, I'm not done yet. I'm not done at OU. I'm not, you know, I'm not ready. I'm not a finished product, I think is what he said exactly. And so it's exciting. And I, OU fans have a lot to uh, be thankful for because, like you guys said, Danny said straight up that Billy coming back had a big influence on him. And I think Billy was asked, did he recruit Danny back? And he said, not really. He's like, but I know that me coming back had a big effect on him. And mm -hmm. so uh, they were kind of a package deal in, in some ways. <clears throat> so the fact they got both is, is – uh, Maybe enough. maybe Woody yeah. will follow in the steps as well. Maybe he'll yeah. come back as well from that. Doesn't hurt. I'm sure it makes I mean, it more I mean, likely. Yeah. yeah. Billy and Danny came in together in that 2021 class. You know, there's only a few mm -hmm. guys still remaining. Um, you know, Jalil was in that class. Ethan Downs was in that class. Um, not really a whole lot of guys left from that group. So you know, the the I think it, especially to Danny talking to him, the fact that they're sticking this thing out and you know seeing it through to to you know year three with Brent Venables, year one in the SEC, um, was very important to him. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So tomorrow we're back at it in Norman. <clears throat> Venables is going to speak after practice. Looking forward to that. First time we talked to Venables since that Alamo Bowl Zoom presser thing where he said some stuff that was of note, and we'll see what he has to say tomorrow. Obviously, it's been a, a crazy week around here, so we'll see what he is willing to say, and uh, it's going to be exciting. And we'll find out um, some more details about the team less than two weeks before they uh, take the field again. That'll be tomorrow, uh, about 1.30 or so, I think. So keep an eye out on the YouTube channel for Venable's full interview. And, again, that practice and all those player interviews are also on the YouTube channel right now uh, as well. Great to get to talk to Jackson and Danny and Billy and uh, several other guys uh, as well. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to 
other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. So, Transfer Portal segment, which we have on every show. You would think that, you know, Wednesday I did a show with Colin that was exclusively Transfer Portal talk, 100%. And... We're doing another podcast a day later. Probably don't have any transfer portal stuff. No, stuff still happened. Got to get into Samuel Franklin committed to Oklahoma uh, yesterday, running back from UT Martin. If you watched the podcast yesterday with Colin and I, pretty much every time that I was talking, Colin was looking off to the side typing. He was getting a story ready for Samuel Mm -hmm. Franklin because that was expected to happen yesterday, and obviously it eventually did. Incredibly productive. His numbers are awesome. About 1,300 yards, almost 1,400 and a bunch of, t- I think it was 11 touchdowns and 11 games. Really, really good. I know it's UT Martin, so people will maybe scoff at that. The note from Matt Zenitz that he put up on our board that um, one Power 5 staffer described him as a definite NFL prospect. Like, this kid is good. He's a diamond in the rough. They needed a running back. It wasn't dire, but they could have used one with the guys you lost. And they did it. They went out and got Sam Franklin. Guys, I think this is an immediate impact guy. I mean, how big of a role he'll have? We'll see. Obviously, you figure Sawchuck Barnes are your your two guys in place, but Franklin will be in the mix uh, whenever next season rolls around. What do we make of this uh, ad for Oklahoma here with Sam Franklin? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, they feel like you know you need bodies in that room. We saw mm-hmm. what that running back room was kind of piecemeal through you know first half of the season until Gavin Sawchuck got healthy and kind of took over that lead role. You know, you don't know what kind of you know minor injuries or nagging injuries might pop up that could just kind of derail, you know, your run game. And, you know, I think especially with Seth Luttrell taking over, you know, even though his offense is, you know, based in the air raid, he's a guy that runs the ball quite a, quite a, quite a good bit for um, someone who uh, came up through that system. And, you know, look, Sam Franklin, like you said, he's a diamond in the rough. You you, you point out the numbers, nearly 1400 yards, um, 11 okay. touchdowns. He forced 53 missed tackles this season. Um, averaged almost four yards per carry after contact. You know, 868 of his 
you know, 1,300 whatever yards were after contact. So he's a guy that's hard to bring down, 5'11", 200 pounds, kind of built like Tawi Walker. Um, so probably kind of guy that can kind of fill that role, have a similar running style, even though he's not, you know, a, you know, taller, bigger back, but, um, you know, certainly a little, little bowling ball out there. It's got, got some good breakaway speed. Yeah. I don't want it to be lost on fans. When you look at something like this, it's like you get a guy that's already been in college. has already been productive in college. You, I mean, it doesn't make sense to be excited about a high schooler that's, you know, had done a, had a great career and not be excited about a guy that had a really good career in college already. I mean, he's done a, a really good yeah. job. So you're bringing in a, a high caliber, what which will be put together as a high school player. So this is something to really be excited about if you're OU. I mean, this is a really good back to bring in. As I talked about already, you know, the running back room is going to look really, really good this year. And you add a guy like him to go along with it. I mean, they, they seem like they're fully stacked and they won't, they shouldn't be in a position that they were this year where it was like the top two guys got hurt. And so now we're shuffling around trying to figure out Who's the guy going to be? Who who is it? Who can be productive? I think you get into a situation now where all these guys can be productive when they're fully healthy and things like that. I don't think all of them going to be hurt at the same time and this time around. It's just like yeah. the, the odds are in your favor now. I feel like with bringing this guy in. Yeah, and we'll we'll see how his game translates to the SEC. Um, yeah. at, at UT Martin, he played one game against an SEC school this year, and it was Georgia in that season opener. And you know, it's hard to judge everybody in Week One, but you know, forty six yards on twelve carries against Georgia. And look, Georgia's a very tough team to run against. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, he had much better production throughout the rest of the year. Um, we'll we'll see, like I said, how how his game translates to the SEC, but. Just adding another experienced body with some, you know, proven production to that room um, is only a benefit for them at this point. Uh, like I said, af after you look at how this season played out, when you know we're talking in July, August, that oh yeah, Gavin Sawchuk, Javante Barnes, going to be for sure the one-two punch, and then yeah, right. don't really see much of either of them until the second half of the season, and that's when Gavin Sawchuk, you know, is finally healthy, finally comes on. Javante Barnes, his whole season was just basically derailed by that lingering foot issue. Um, so, you know, obviously don't want to make any sweeping assumptions about, you know, how, the, you know, who who's going to be the number one guy, who's going to be the number two mm -hmm. guy. But, you know, just having another experienced body in that room is, is, is great for them. And, and 42 yards on, on 12 carries, not, it's not entirely bad either. I mean, it's almost four yards to carry. So I mean, it's, it's a good situation to be in. So it's a it's a really good situation. I mean, it's a good back. He's a really good back. I mean, it's just putting it lightly. That's what it is. Yeah, I mean, for the year, he he averaged six point two yards per carry for the year. So he yeah. he was very very productive at UT Martin. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, can't judge him completely on that Georgia game, but mm -hmm. it it is you know, and look, he was playing behind an FCS offensive line too. So it's not like sure you know, he, he was playing you know with the type the caliber of players that he's going to be playing with at Oklahoma. Um, mm -hmm. So again, we'll, we'll see. But I, I like this pickup for Oklahoma. Yeah, Sawchuck, Barnes, Franklin. Obviously, year two for Hicks. Got Tatum and, and Xavier Robinson coming in. Um, yeah, lots of depth there. Demarco Murray has to feel pretty good uh, about that group overall. You still do have a Mecca Megla <laughs> lurking. Whatever he looks great in pads. The guy is <laughs> jacked. Um, if he can get healthy, you know where does he fit in? But yeah, you certainly have a lot of options going next year. And obviously, they're not done yet. But you've made four portal pickups at this point. Spencer Brown, obviously Dejan Malone, and now Deion Burks and, and Franklin. All four of those guys feel like, and it's the idea of the transfer portal, but all four of those guys feel like instant contributors. Um, you know, obviously, Brown, you expect definitely to take over a tackle spot. And then Malone will factor into the rotations at cornerback. It'll, that'll depend on Woody. But then 
Burks is going to play a lot. And I, I, like I said, I happen to think that Franklin will probably at least be in the mix for carries. So they've made four useful additions. They're not done by any means. They need more offensive line. They're pursuing more offensive line. They still need a tight end. They're pursuing tight ends. So, you know, they're not done, but good start. Four guys that you feel pretty good about so far uh, in the transfer portal. We'll be sure to keep you updated. Again, like we said yesterday, Colin's all over it. So become a VIP subscriber. He'll let you know where they're headed, who's visiting. A lot of guys coming to town this weekend and uh, where things kind of stand on a lot of these guys as uh, we move forward and figure out who's going to be on this team next year. All right, to close. SEC schedule came out yesterday. We obviously we've known the opponents for a long time, but we didn't know the dates or the order or how it was all going to shake out. And now we do. Um, very exciting to get to actually see the uh, the you know like again like I said we knew the opponents, but to actually see the way it lays out was exciting and um, it's it's fun to watch. So if you didn't you didn't see it, I'll run through it real fast. Temple, Houston, Tulane. We knew that already. To start the year. Those are all at home. Tennessee at home. We knew that. At Auburn, they're going to be the first road game in week five. So the first four games are all at home. Then they go to Auburn. By week, the Texas game on the 12th. South Carolina at home at Ole Miss. Maine comes to Norman. That's going to be a snoozer. Missouri, Alabama, or by week, Alabama at home. And then we finish in Death Valley on Thanksgiving week uh, at LSU, which is going to be insane. What sticks out? Obviously, there's a lot of different angles you could take to this. But what what's the thing when you look at this that jumped out to you immediately? I think the <clears throat> biggest thing to me is just how well timed the bye weeks are. I was yeah. gonna say that. That's what I was and, gonna say. Like it's like it's one of those years where just because of the way the calendar shakes out, you know, with <clears throat> you know where Labor Day falls and where Thanksgiving falls, that it's a fourteen week regular season. So everybody in the country is gonna have two bye weeks and Oklahoma's bye weeks could not come in a better time. It's before your two biggest games of the season, you know, right there before the Texas game in October, and then right there before that back-to-back of Alabama LSU to end the season. Um, you know, couldn't have asked for a more appropriately timed bye weeks. Um, you know, look, we knew the schedule was going to be tough, but, you know, that, to have an extra week off before you're playing two teams that are in the college football playoff this season is huge. Um, you know, should note, Texas also has a bye week before the Red River rivalry, so both teams should be refreshed. Mm. I think that's going to just add another layer of intensity to the rivalry next year. Um, Alabama does not have a bye week before coming to Norman, but they do play Mercer, an FCS team, so it's a tune-up for them. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, that, that is by far the the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, we knew the, st- the schedule was going to be tough. I mean, we saw it early in the year when the, when we first learned the teams that OU was going to play because mm-hmm. it's, it's based off of your past success where you've been playing. And OU's been playing in the Big 12 and have been dominating the Big 12 for a long time. So they're going to have a tough schedule. I mean, it's just what it is now, but it's SEC. So most of the most of the teams are going to have a tough schedule. I mean, but yeah. what, what you, when you look at it, the favorable part of it, I mean, it's for OU. It's like they have these good parts. Like the first four games are home games. I mean, that you know, OU doesn't really lose it at home. So you have that on your side then you have the bye weeks before as tom just said before those two big games i mean there's all that helps out in these situations getting an extra week to prepare for texas getting an extra week to prepare for alabama i mean that's 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 favorable that's favorable when you think about it in the long run and, and you know just alabama's at home in it isn't it yeah yeah, well, yeah so i mean like all that all yeah. of that is all that is, is going in favor of ou i think there's some things to worry about yes but they have some favorable aspects on the schedule as well that they really can benefit from if they if they're fully healthy and can put it all together. It should be it should work out really well for OU. 
Yeah, I mean, the SEC, you know, tried to do a very good job of kind of balancing everybody's schedules so that mm -hmm. nobody really has a cakewalk. And look, nobody was going to have that because you have a deep 16-team league. Everybody was going to have some challenging um, stretches there. But, you know, like James said, you know, in June when the opponents were announced, we knew that Oklahoma was going to have a tough schedule. We didn't know how, you know, it was going to shake out in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, who falls where. But we, I don't think, you know, a lot of us didn't expect Missouri to have as good of a season as it did this sure, year. Exactly. I mean, yeah. You look at Oklahoma's schedule going into next year, six of their eight SEC games are against teams that finish in the top 25 of the college football playoff rankings, including right. five of those against teams that were in the top 13. Mm -hmm. you know, you have, you're facing two playoff teams in Texas and Alabama. You know, the Texas game, you're the designated home team, but it's at the Cotton Bowl. We know what that's like. Alabama, you get at home, fortunately. You know, Tennessee uh, finished in the top 25. You're getting them at home to open the SEC schedule. Um, we've obviously known that one for a few weeks. Josh Heupel, his first game back since he was, yeah. you know, offensive coordinator here. So uh, I'd expect him to get a pretty warm welcome, at least pregame. Um, you know, at Ole Miss is going to be difficult. They're a team that finished just ahead of Oklahoma in the rankings. Um you know, like like I mentioned, at Missouri, another tough one. We'll see how they you know how they kind of carry that over year over year because they were kind of a little bit more of a surprise this year. But I think you know the rest of those you know at LSU, at Ole Miss, Bama, Tennessee. You know th those are teams that have shown that they are top fifteen, top twenty caliber teams year over year. Um, but again, hey, it could be a lot worse. You'll get Florida's schedule. Their final five games are against teams that are ranked in the top thirteen. Yeah, I, that, I is, would, that is brutal. Their final five Absolutely. is hilarious. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really think it. You know, as favorable as it really could be, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, like I said, with the bye weeks where they are positioned, um, I really think you have a nice runway to get off to a nice start. Obviously, we knew the non-conference games were all pretty manageable, and they're at home. I mean, they're not all complete gimmies. I mean, we've seen what Tulane has, has been. Obviously, Willie Fritz no longer there. He's at Houston, though, who you also play, um, yeah. who is a Big 12 team that is a Power 5 opponent. I know it doesn't really feel like it because it's new, but it, but it is. Tennessee's at home, you know, at Auburn. You know, not that that – I mean, that, that place can be crazy. I mean, obviously, Tom would know far better than me, but that's a team that's in a bit of a rebuild right now. You freeze. Obviously, they, they struggled a bit at times this year. They almost beat Alabama, but they had also had some rough ones. You know, New Mexico State housed them by three touchdowns. That's a game you should feel good about. So you have a chance, I think, to be 5-0, and you know, going into the Texas game. And then, you know, as far as your biggest games, you don't have, like, a very noticeable back-to-back -back except for at the end of the year with Bama and LSU. And you'd hope you're playing your best ball by then. Obviously, Jackson Arnold has plenty of time to get acclimated and, and comfortable mm -hmm. before you get there, you know. So mm -hmm. all these considered, I mean, like I said, you get South Carolina at home who has had a rough year. We'll see what they are next year. They're going to have a new quarterback, things like that. You get them before you go to the Grove. You get obviously, like we said, Maine before you go to Missouri. The bye week before you go or before you host Alabama. So there's there's openings there to kind of I think uh, always feel like you're in a good. You're never drowning where it's like okay, we just <clears> lost <throat> two in a row. We have another one. You know what I mean? That that doesn't that seems avoidable here. So overall, I think it worked out okay for Oklahoma. All yeah. And this you, is why we brought Tom over right here. This that we need yeah, the no, SEC no. insight. This is the guy. You, you, the wise you, you, one. You look at those final two games, and like that is going to be a brutal finish. And look, there, a lot of teams are going to have brutal stretches in their schedule. But if Oklahoma can continue to progress under Brent Venables, you're looking at two games the last two weeks of the season that very well could have playoff 
implications and mm-hmm. should. If, if these, you know, if, you know, I don't think anybody expects Alabama to fall off. You know, even if they have an early season loss, Nick Saban finds a way to get that team on track and have them in contention. You know, LSU is obviously, you know, they're going to be having a new quarterback with Jaden Daniels uh, out the door and, you know, probably Malik Neighbors gone too. But, you know, Brian Kelly does a really good job of recruiting. He obviously has a track record of building successful programs. So I'd expect them to be good too. But with the playoff expanding to 12 teams, you know, you're looking at two, you know, could potentially be like play-in type games for all these teams late in the season. Um, yeah. finish, finishing at LSU is going to be insane. Um, Baton Rouge, just in general, for games is crazy. If that game is a night game, the final week of the season, man, it is going to be nuts. Yeah, I um, can't imagine. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, like they, they have a chance to get off to a really good start. They need to take advantage of that four-game home stretch because you know the final two months of the season, they only have you know three games at home. You know, one of those is obviously Alabama. One of those is Maine. The other one's South Carolina. So between between the SEC opener and the second to last week of the season, you don't really have any marquee home games, which kind of sucks for the fans. But you do have you know Alabama coming in. You have Tennessee. You have South Carolina. They're, they're teams that at least are going to pique the interest of this fan base because again, we we talked about Tennessee is a top twenty five team now, but also you have the Josh Heupel coming in. Um, South Carolina, obviously Shane Beamer was an assistant. At Oklahoma, so his first game back, and I think it's going to be the first game ever between South Carolina and Oklahoma, so that'll at least be a little intriguing. Um, But yeah, just going to be fun to watch, man. It is. Yeah, you never have to worry about Oklahoma fans coming out anyway. I mean, they're going to come out and show up in in, in roles anyway, but yeah, I mean, this this is going to be fun, man. Just seeing everything that's happened with the schedule, it's going to be a good time. I think one thing I want to get off my chest, when watching the two-hour-long schedule release show, obviously, that was crazy a lot more longer than it needed to be but a lot of a lot of talk was at least they got it out there like in the first half yeah yeah yeah. they they didn't drag it out they did it week by week but they were pretty quick about it the rest was just analyzing it and all that stuff but i get it you don't need a two-hour show yeah (laughs) but a lot of the talk was kind of like oklahoma and texas kind of like getting into the sec and adapting to what the sec does i think I mean, these teams are going to have to adapt to Oklahoma and Texas as well. Oklahoma, as we said before, they they have a winning record against SEC teams. Now it's coming in, you know, in playoffs and bowl games like this with the end of the year. But there's there's some strengths that these teams are bringing in as well. There's going to be an adaption going both ways. It's not like an FCS FCF schools are joining the FBS. It's not that's not how this is going to work. I mean, they're they're going to have to adapt yeah. to these situations. Next to be Alabama this year, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, um, it's crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, you look at it. I think we all were in agreement that probably about nine wins is probably about all you need uh, to really be on the, in the fringe of that 12 team playoff race. I mean, you win, you should win all your home games outside of Alabama for sure. Um, I mean, Tennessee and South Carolina, obviously those are, they got players and team, but oh, you'll be solid favorites in both those games. You should win all your non-conference. So you should be six and oh, that's six wins right there that you should absolutely have. Yeah. The Alabama and then you just have to split the other six with your road trips and then you're, you're probably right there. So there's reasons to be, you know, optimistic. I think even, even the way the schedule is, cause it just, like I said, I think, I think it kind of worked out as well as it could have, frankly. Yeah. And, and again, we'll see what this roster looks like yeah, during the sure. summer after the second transfer portal window and probably have a better idea of what to expect in terms of wins and losses. But I wouldn't be surprised like with the off season hits and Oklahoma's, you know, over under for wins is set at like 8.5. Yeah. 
Right. That's probably bad. It's, it's crazy that I mean, not nine wins. It should that should be enough. That's crazy that it's like that now in college football. It's like you used to have to go undefeated to even think about championships and things like that. Now you can get to nine wins, and you can have a chance to play for a title because you because you have to win that playoff series. I mean, pretty much what it is that series, but you know, <clears> go through the playoffs and things like that. I mean, it's crazy. The big the SEC and the Big Ten are going to get very favorable, you know, positions in the playoffs based on based on what the committee has done so far. I mean, they're going to those are the two power conferences now. I mean, like it's just that's what's going to be now. Yeah. It's obviously, uh, I was just thinking about it. It's it's obviously asking a lot. Who knows how the season will go? But can you imagine if Oklahoma does make the SEC championship game and you finish the year with Alabama, LSU, and then Georgia, we'll say, mm-hmm. in Atlanta to end the year? That is quite the three-game stretch to, to end <laughs> your season. Um, exciting. That's what you signed up for. That's what makes it That's what makes it fun. Is that, is yeah. Really hey, hey listen, OU's, OU's been the big dog for quite some time, you know, throughout the years. I mean, even when they were in the Big 12, they weren't actually – the big big dog like where they used to be they used to be with alabama and georgia and all of them are now so they're getting back to that exactly what everybody wants i think it's just they want all you back in that conversation mm-hmm. back up there with the big dogs and it's been 20 24 years 20 something years since the last champion national championship they want to get back to that and so this is the best way to do it yeah and the, the one other thing i want to mention you know mention the six of eight sec games against you know teams that are ranked in the top 25 mm-hmm. right now um should mention obviously Tulane was the runner-up in the American Conference this year. You know they were ranked in the first five college football playoff rankings before losing to SMU in the championship game. So that's a quality team too. Um, yeah, obviously it's going to look different next year with Willie Fritz gone, but you know John Summerall proved you know very quickly at Troy that he's capable of fielding a very respectable yeah. team. Um, but again, like like you said, Oklahoma should be favored in those first four games. And has a very good opportunity to, you know, have a runway there to start the year strong before that schedule gets pretty tough. Yeah, Tulane, that's a tough team. As you said, it's a tough team. They, they, I feel like they got a lot of publicity when they played Oklahoma very close that year that they were supposed to be the home team. So it already had, you know, all those implications. They had to come to Norman and play here. Oh, you painted a logo on the field, things like that. It helped them out a lot, and they played a close game. So I think they got a publicity off of that, and they've been they've been getting stronger since then. I mean, Josh can can, can attest to that. They've just been getting stronger since then. And so oh, you really needs to take them seriously. Yeah. It's not like they're all Tulane. This is a Tulane you got to really pay attention to and play well against. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. You know, it's exciting, you know, because just, again, you looked at the home – the slate this year and compare it to that next year and how many more marquee games are on it. And then that's why, that's why Oklahoma and Texas do what they're doing. And uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. You know, Texas has got Georgia the week after the OU game, which is, you know, that that's insane. That's insane. And it's going to be fun. Uh, That's amazing. It's going to be fun. The big 10 is going to be fun too. With the Pac-12 teams going in there, it's going to be chaos. And I look forward to it. And we have to get used to kind of like James was saying, get used to resetting our brains in that, you can lose two or three and, and still be in the It'd mix. Fun. Playing yeah. Yeah. top 15, top 20 teams every other weekend the whole way through. And I mean, it makes sense. It's just kind of you have to adjust your brain and, and what you how you view your season in college football. You know, you're not going to go. Oklahoma's not going to go undefeated 11 and one with regularity anymore. It's not not never going to happen, but it's not going to be a given year to year like it was for a long time. It's just not. You can't play three, four, five top 10 teams a year and expect that. It's going to be different. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be fun. So I look forward to it. 
And it's not just Oklahoma. A lot of teams are going to yeah, be in the same situation. Yeah. yeah, it's just to clarify that. I mean, it's just yeah. it's going to be tougher now. This is it's getting close to semi-pro football, Josh. I mean, I mean that's what it is now. It's like it's semi-pro. This is getting these guys ready for the NFL because the gauntlet of schedule and the amount of games they're playing is exactly like if you played your regular schedule, your your conference championship, and got through the the entire playoffs. I mean, it's it's getting very close to what you played in the NFL. Yeah. Like seventeen games, so. It's like you're getting close to semi-pro status. It's what it is now. Like guys getting paid. I mean, that's where college football is headed. I think that's it. Look forward to it next year. Uh, we'll have a lot of time to break it down and get ready. Obviously, just excited. We're excited to get the dates on there. I'm excited to go to LSU to end the year. Not that Missouri to end the year wouldn't have been fun. And I don't know if it's going to end with LSU every year. I don't know if that's going to be a Thanksgiving thing now, or or I don't know how that'll work. But uh, for at least this year. It'll be crazy. It'll be awesome. I mean, the same day that Ohio State, Michigan, and the Iron Bowl, you have OU LSU at mm-hmm. night, presumably. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do. That'll play. So <laughs> look forward to that uh, when we get there. Long way to go, but look forward to it. All right. I think that's it. We'll be back on Monday to talk about whatever happens between now and then. I'll see transfer portal continues to be insane and uh, more team news will be coming out. Like I said, we're going to talk to Brent Venables tomorrow. So keep an eye on that uh, tomorrow afternoon to uh, hear from him, and we'll obviously break down what he has to say on Monday. More basketball action this weekend as well. Um, the men have had a little bit of a, a, some time off here. They get back to it on Saturday night. So I'm sure we'll recap that just a little bit as well and whatever else going on for Oklahoma football uh, as well, obviously. That's it for Tom Green, James E. Jackson. I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you guys Monday for the next edition of the Sooners Illustrated Podcast. See you.